and welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by Duncan Joyce of Then Now Whatever. How's things, Duncan? Pretty well, yeah. Um, I'm graduating in a week on Friday. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I um I recorded with Carl two or three days ago and he was getting married the next day, so everyone's got something more interesting to tell than me this week. Oh wow! <laughs> now no, that's commitment. Yeah, so big big I'm weeks for everyone. Oh yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't like um, handcuffed to a post in Barnsley or something. <laughs> um, he got a a shout out on Facebook from Hope Wrestling for getting married as well. So super fan. Oh, nice. Mm. I've just been going to work, so I've got nothing interesting to talk about now. <laughs> you will shame me. <laughs> the only note I'm going to make is I'm going to go this entire show without ripping on Triple H or Kyle. So that's my commitment for this <laughs> oh, week. <okay. laughs> my finger wagging works. Yeah, I don't want to get told off. <laughs> <laughs> I was driving to work when I was listening to your last episode, and I, I lost it on the car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I nearly had tears coming down my eyes. <laughs> I was like, stopped at a light and I had this big laugh and then I kind of just went, oh, <laughs> I'm a bully. <laughs> my other, that episode had my, one of my other favourite Triple H moments ever when um, I called Pete Dunn Triple H's favourite son and I was like, oh. <laughs> It's not, it's not good to you. <laughs> he retweeted <laughs> him once, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like he's not tweeting back, as he's... No. No. There's still time. I've had moments like this on Twitter all the time. I think it's when we're probably, or myself anyway, maybe I'm just that slight half a generation away from really getting Twitter. Like when someone with an account as Pep Guardiola followed me, so I copied it and sent the photo to everyone I knew. <laughs> it's clearly not Pep Guardiola, but that didn't stop me sharing that around. <laughs> Oh, I have someone who thinks they're Edge following this. Oh, really? Yeah. I never understood the um, the motivation behind pretending to be someone else online, other than making a great TV show. If you watch Catfish, that's about the only thing I can think of. Oh, yeah. But... It's a good show. Yeah, it is a good show. We're here to talk about two other very good shows, though. <laughs> WWE Monday Night Raw and TNA Impact for March 15th. So heading on strong through the uh, second coming of the Monday Night Wars here. We'll see if the two companies can put up a better effort than last time. Although, in fairness, TNA was pretty good last time out. It was Raw that really sucked. Yeah, Raw kind of felt like they meant a bit more business this week, though. Oh, in- I will say. indeed. And um, the ratings kind of show this as well. Um Raw comes to us from the San Diego Sports Arena and drew a 3.7. TNA Impact from the Impact Zone, as per usual, drew a 0.9. So that's a hammering in the ratings. Yeah, now that's worse off than they would have been if it had been on Tuesday, um, well, Thursday. Just for an interesting tidbit for comparison here. So TNA drew a 0.9. Superstars that week drew 0.89. Ah, boy. Now that's really bad because... WGN America or whatever network they were on had a fairly limited reach in terms of households. Yeah. And um, nearly topped them with superstars. So SmackDown was, I think, like a 1.8 or something like that. So it was comfortably twice what TNA was, but superstars nearly catching it was, it was like, ooh, ouch. Yeah. But 
interesting times ahead. Will they soldier on and fight back from this? Stay tuned. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> um, which show did you watch first? I watched Raw first. As did I. Yeah. We're in sync again. Um, so let's head over and do Monday Night Raw then. Let's do it. So, as per usual, our commentary team is Jerry the King Lawler and Michael Cole. No match striker tonight, thankfully. And we get the um, the classic. I always loved this um, late 2000s um, introduction from WWE. You know the one that's got, like, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, John Cena, everyone mixed in? But it's just that weird bit where it goes, if you smell, like, from The Rock, and it fades out and immediately goes, you're fired. And I'm thinking, you know, personal hygiene is not really enough. A warning would be would be more than a f- sufficient. <laughs> what... <laughs> Oh, I love that old introduction. So we get a recap of last week's absolutely horrendous show. And we get told that this week is WrestleMania Rewind Night, which gives it something interesting to follow along with. And even more interesting than that, our guest host for the night, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who comes out to a pretty decent-sized pop. Yeah, really, really big pop. And um, when they were running through the Rewind Night, the announcement for Orton versus Triple H got a stupidly big pop. I can't believe that. And yeah, I'm like, did you not watch WrestleMania the year before? <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's a match that's never interested me at all. No. The opening video package for this show as well had this really weird, like, acoustic guitar backing for Cena getting beaten up by everyone in the gauntlet. Yeah, interesting choice of music there. Uh, I thought the Drifter was going to turn up. <laughs> it might have been there, he's just getting there slowly. Mm. Um, so Austin comes out, he tells us that it's good to be back, that he wants to open up a can of whoop-ass, and then he starts getting the timekeeper to throw him some beers and lets him know whenever he calls for one, he wants one delivered. Um, he talks about some classics of WrestleMania to what chance from the crowd, which he's eating up pretty well. Uh, and then he talks about the Bret Hart-Vince McMahon feud and says that he's going to oversee the contract signing later on this evening. John Cena... Sorry, jump in. Did you spot how good he was at holding both a microphone and a can of beer in one hand. Yeah, he's done that before, I think. <laughs> oh my god, he's well hand. Yeah, um, well practiced. A couple of signs in the crowd and note as well. One says, Stone Cold changed my life. Oh, well, good for him. That's good. Or assuming it was a him. Yeah, and the other one, I think you probably know more about American brands than me, but um, one says, Stone Cold drinks Odoles. Odell's? No, that's lost on me. Mm. No idea. If you know what Odell's is, please tweet us. Yeah, let us know. We'd be interested to find out Uh, what that is. Yeah, I'd like it on that joke, please. I'd like to think it's like a wine cooler or something. Mm, Possibly. Oh, he does like his wine. Now he's on his ranch, though, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. That picture doing the rounds. um... Yes, yes, exactly what I was going to do. Is it a glass of red or something, isn't it? Just sat there looking very sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> Retirement brings the best out of some people. <laughs> the ones that finished on top, I would imagine, with a lot of money. Yeah. So, 
Out comes John Cena to also a pretty decent pop, if I'm being fair. And and a referee follows him out as well. So shenanigans are afoot a, a here. I'm pretty certain we're going to go straight into a match. And sure enough, Stone Cold gets out of the ring after they exchange respect. And the Big Show comes out for a WrestleMania 20 rewind match, which was the opener of WrestleMania 20, the Big Show and John Cena at that time for the United States title, which was the first title John Cena won. Yeah, um, speaking of titles, Big Show couldn't be asked to take his tag belts with him. No, this is a pet hate of yours at this time period, isn't it? It's not the first time we've oh, seen yeah. that. Was it the Rumble as well, where no one brought, bothered bringing their belts out? Um, yeah, it might be one of the U- of, uh, Miz's US title matches when he was tag champ and he didn't have his tag belts with him as well or something. Yeah, they're just not, not interested. No. Nah. So, Cena and Big Show here, it's an interesting start. They actually box to begin the match, which is... a unique way of getting started and we get a respectable size Cena chant as well it's not huge but he's getting a a bit of love here early doors Big Show comes off with a sidewalk slam and that's enough to queue up the first commercial break of the night when we come back from the commercial for all the Cena love I just talked about I notice around the front row there's a lot of the old we hate Cena shirts scattered across the front row we then get Cena punches um, and tries for the body slam, but falls down, allowing Big Show to get the two in the classic Hulk Hogan big man spot. Big Show then misses a Vader bomb off the ropes, which was interesting, before Cena comes back with a drop kick to the knee, a famous are off the top rope, and goes for the five-knuckle shuffle, but is interrupted by the entrance of Batista. We then get a clothesline for a two-count. Cena tries for the attitude adjustment, but Batista gets on the apron, allowing Big Show to hit the knockout punch for the one, two, and the three, and pick up a win over John Cena. Well, Batista, I should say, you mentioned Batista. Batista had his belt on. He did. And did you notice which belt it was? It was a spinner belt. (laughs) It looks so weird on him. It looked weird on everyone. It's like the, the the early days of that. Like the first guy I can remember having that belt that wasn't seen was Edge, and it's like okay, you you just scream transitional champion if you're wearing John Cena's belt and you're not going to change it. And guess what? Within a month, he wasn't champion anymore. He did when he got it the second time though. Do you remember he swapped the spinner logo out for his rated R logo and put that in the middle of the belt? I know, and that lasted a similar amount of time, like a matter of weeks. Like, oh my god. I did think that was cool, though. I think the, the only other person I really associate with this belt for some reason is CM Punk. Like, when I think of that belt, I always think Cena, then Punk. I don't know if he didn't, uh, if he had it for longer, if it was just when I tuned back in, he was wearing it. I can't remember. Well, he wore it for fucking ages, like a year or so. Oh, there you go. That would be why. <laughs> <laughs> Batista then jumps in the ring and starts talking smack to Cena. Um, and I've put here that he does look weird with his spinner belt before we go to our next break and come back for our next matchup, which will be Evan Bourne taking on Sheamus. Well, just going back to that first match, um, I was rather surprised they went rather balls to the wall with it. Uh, that was the best Cena Big Show match I think I've seen. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Pretty much non-stop action, and the finish made sense, but it didn't make Big Show look too weak because he still picked up the victory with his finisher, so it was good. Yeah, just they were unloading bombs on each other, just no messing about, alley-oops and famouses from the top rope and all their big stuff. I don't like that move being a transitional move myself, though. I think that's a that should be one to finish a match, personally. Yeah, it was much, it was much better when he did it when they were draped over the second rope. Yeah, yeah. Before we get started on the next match, Michael Cole says, and this is quoting Michael Cole, Triple H said, and I quote, 
you and me if you've got the guts to Seamus. Now, we watched that segment. I don't think he said that at all. I'm trying to remember. Um, the, the one thing that Michael Cole said that caught my attention was he called Seamus's and Triple H's confrontation last week absolutely riveting. <laughs> he was not watching the same show as me then. Yeah. Oh, and just before the match started, I've got a, a single line up here. Shout out to Kevin Rudolph. Fuck off. <laughs> Expand on that one for me. Well, Kevin Rudolph's in the... Um, Theme song for WrestleMania 26. Yeah, heroes, private jets, polish. WrestleMania, shout out to Kevin Rudolph. <laughs> like, no, it's fucking awful. I couldn't name a lyric from that song if I tried. In fact, until you told me, I didn't know who Kevin Rudolph was. <laughs> oh, he's, he's got pride for him. He did a Royal Rumble theme one year as well. Fair enough. My note before the match starts is, why the fuck does Evan smile so much? He's, he's a happy to be here, <laughs> happy-go-lucky baby face. Well, he looks like a creep. <laughs> Oh, well, considering his, his genuine history, he might just be really high. Ah, fair enough then. That would make perfect sense. Before the match gets started, Seamus gets a microphone and pretty much just walks up to Bourne and nails him with it, hits him with a brogue kick, followed by a razor's edge, and then bounces him out of the ring and gets back on the microphone. I'm assuming this is a no contest, so we don't get an official word. He says that he admires Triple H as a kid. Way to make Triple H feel old. <laughs> Because he's a man who would do anything. Um, he wanted to defend his title at WrestleMania, but Triple H ruined it. Um, and I've got here... What did I say here? I've got, actually got a note about saying Kyle might have some explaining to do after this feud's over, but I'm going to leave that at the door for today because I promise not to make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't much of a match here. It wasn't more just to advance Sheamus as a killer so that it could build up some credibility for Triple H. My question coming out of this is, where was Santino? Where was, you know, someone who isn't in a featured match at WrestleMania like Evan Bourne is? Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of... He, he only just what got into the Money in the Bank last week, was it, on the last episode we watched? And, yeah, he's already been slaughtered here by Sheamus, so he's not winning that. Yeah, qualified last week and now just not even getting a, a contest at all. He's the only Money in the Bank guy featured on this show, I think, as well. I actually liked it last year as in last year 2016 when they brought back the jobbers i know ellsworth got a job out of it but i thought that was a brilliant idea to put some of these big guys over yeah yeah from there we go to a promo backstage with Shawn michaels and stone cold talking stone cold look steve i'm not gonna waste your time i just need to know do you think I can beat The Undertaker? Well, hell yeah, I think I can beat The Undertaker, but I don't think you're going to. I think the streak goes to 18-0. That's just my opinion. You know something? I knew, uh, knew at the very least I'd get the truth out of you. But you know what? After WrestleMania 14, when you beat me for the WWE Championship, 
thought my career was over. I proved them wrong, Steve. I proved them wrong. And this year, I want to prove everybody wrong again. The streak ends at WrestleMania. And uh, tonight, I get the opportunity with Chris Jericho. I'm going to make sure that he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am going to. Chris, going to what, John? Beat me? <laughs> Let me remind you that I'm the world champion. Me. I am the world champion. And Steve, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to have this match tonight because it gives me one more chance to embarrass Michaels before The Undertaker retires him for good. <laughs> you know, Chris, I'm sorry if I gave you the impression that I was just going to beat you tonight. You see, last week on SmackDown, The Undertaker sent me a message by destroying four guys. Tonight, I'm gonna send him a message and I'm gonna make sure that I destroy you. He's just losing it. He's a little bit crazy, isn't he? Maybe he's rubbing the wrong way. Yeah, wow, you know. Come and think of it, Steve. I mean, it's almost WrestleMania time and from one great champion to another. I mean, do we really need to have this match then? Maybe Sean should take the night off and you and I can go have a couple Steve Weisers, just like the old days, and raise a little, raise a little hell out there. You know what I mean? Right? Remember how it used to be? You remember that night in Frisco? Get out of my office and go compete. Get. Sean asks, can I beat The Undertaker? Austin, with a brilliant reply, says, yeah, I think you can beat The Undertaker, but you're not going to. <laughs> it just cracked me up. Says that Taker will go 18-0. I did notice while they were talking here, I don't know if, if you picked up on this, but is it just me or when wrestlers talk, do they get uncomfortably close to each other? Hmm. Yeah, I do wonder about that. I was mostly distracted by all of the little Easter eggs in Austin's office and... It's little, he had the beer cooler and he had the smoking school belt. It was a shrine to Stone Cold, wasn't it? Movie posters. Was there, was there a TV playing in the background with like his title screen and one of his DVDs on it or something? I'd imagine so, yeah. And there was, um, it was like a, not an 8 by 10 but like a framed picture of him at Mania 13, I think. Yeah, it was um, Stone Cold Mania in that room. It was cool. Yeah, and since you mentioned TVs, Austin watched the TV at a non-awkward angle. <laughs> no one ever sits down to watch TV in WWE. No. From there, Jericho walks in. Interesting to see him with the world title. Like With Batista and Cena being sort of such a focal point, you forget that Jericho's got the world title here as well, which makes me wonder, I don't actually know, which one of them is supposed to be on Raw. I'm assuming it's Batista, but I, I really can't tell at this point. The, the WWE Championship was Raw's championship, but Batista was technically a SmackDown guy when he won it, and this transitioned him over to Raw. And here's Jericho as well, so it's um, it's very confusing. Uh, Jericho, who, you know, if, I don't know if you remember from our January 4th episode, was supposed to have been banished from Raw permanently. <laughs> yeah, that's not lasted too long. <laughs> no. Um, 
Michaels tells Jericho that he's going to send Undertaker a message and he's going to destroy Y2J before exiting stage left. So a good little segment back here. I thought that was good. Um, Austin and Michaels have always had good chemistry and Jericho adds to anything he does. So good stuff. Yeah, that's fine. And like the closing with Jericho and Austin alone was good as well. Yeah, they've got they've always had good chemistry as well. From the, yeah. from there, we go to our next big match for the evening. Kelly Kelly up against Maurice. Um, this was not one that I was looking forward to at all. And my fears were pretty much put to rest right away when they were both playing up wolf whistles from the crowd, trying to get more cat calls than the other. So typical Divas Fair back in 2010. Yeah, and the pose off at the start is just, just trying to avoid doing a wrestling move, basically. Yeah, and you can see why when they get started, because it's just some awful brawling. Kelly Kelly hits a really terrible famous for a two count. Reese hits a DDT and gets a three count. So, short order, this one's over. And it was as bad as it sounded, even though it was quick. Yeah, just shit. What the hell? Um, almost as shit as Kelly Kelly's music, which I completely forgot about. I think I've forgotten everything about Kelly Kelly except for the fact that she had a crush on CM Punk. Oh, yeah. Maurice then punts Kelly Kelly and tosses her into the barricade before Gail Kim and Eve run in and attack her two-on-one, so a little bit strange. But this brings out Laycool from SmackDown, and they attack all the good guys. The run-ins for heels, it's just really strange. Um, McCool misses a knee by several inches on Gail Kim that looked really awful and needs two swings to hit a kick on Eve. And then Vicky Guerrero comes out on the ramp and claps Laycool before the two of them and... Maurice walked back up the ramp past Vicky Guerrero to celebrate. Yeah, they're all like, oh my, Lee cool, but, but, but they're from SmackDown. What, what's going on here? Like, yeah, as if we've not had any other SmackDown people on this show. You, you just had Jericho, the fucking SmackDown champion, <laughs> backstage with Austin, and you're surprised that SmackDown people turned up now. Well, this is, this is yeah. the third Raw we've reviewed, and haven't they been on all three? Uh, what do you mean by they? Lay cool, like it's not like this is their first appearance on Raw for the year, even. I don't know actually, um, but th- there have been people from SmackDown on all each Raw show. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's just bad. It didn't advance anything mm. for me. It was just a waste of time. But the next match, which I was slightly more anticipating. Uh, Positively anticipating. I'm tripping over my words tonight. Uh, it's a WrestleMania 19 rewind, which is Shawn Michaels up against Chris Jericho. Quick trivia note: I saw WrestleMania 19 in a cinema. Oh yes. This was the great pay-per-view ban in Australia, so this was the one I saw in the cinema, packed house, and twenty-five dollars a ticket it was to get in. But they had lots of wrestling shirts, so I was happy when I went. I I watched that on tape endlessly. Kyle recorded it on. Um... Sky Sports, but he recorded the replay, so the Miller Lite girls were cut from the show. Bonus. So when like Lance Storm would be like, "Oh yeah, I got cut off WrestleMania because of the Miller Lite girls," I'm like, "What? I don't remember that at all." <laughs> Sadly, I do, but it was a good show. So actually, Mania 19's a sleeper WrestleMania. It's one of the better ones, I think. Definitely, like from a pure in-ring standpoint, it's, it's just fantastic. Yeah. 
And this one gets started with Sean going on the offense early. Jericho does avoid Sean in the shoulder block to the post, though, so Sean hits that. But he does fire back pretty quickly with a Luthers press. Jericho backdrops Sean out of the ring. Jericho beats on Sean a little bit before locking in a chin lock. Sean fires back with his patented forearm kip-up. Inverted atomic drop before Jericho gets a hold and goes for the walls of Jericho, but Michaels turns it into a small package for a two-count. Jericho hits a bulldog but eats knees on the lion salt. Michaels goes up top for his elbow, tunes up the band, and Jericho bails out the ring, taking a count-out loss, which was a bit of a poor ending. But, I mean, I didn't think they were going to go 30 minutes on this one anyway, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Yeah, um, I mean, it was what it was. It's just a a fairly safe sequence of wrestling so that Sean's all right to go to WrestleMania. Um, this is blatantly Sean just checking off his list of, oh, I need to be with him one more time before the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it takes the count out. Edge, though, comes out and attacks Jericho, hits him with a spear, gets the mic and gets in really close, as we talked about before, <laughs> and just says the word spear, which <laughs> I thought was a little bit weird. Um, and I'm just put here, this show has zero regard for personal space. <laughs> he's trying to get that over as a catchphrase basically oh really did he do this often did he well this is just a start like you know how when he's in the corner he's like bouncing fans are supposed to go spear 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 (laughs) oh my god i bet that didn't catch on Mm. um speaking of trivia uh, they mentioned on commentary this was the arena where jericho beat austin and the rock in the same night to become the undisputed champ yeah and he never mentioned it again (laughs) Never, never. Nah, that's brilliant. That's good stuff. From there, we get a recap of the Legacy match last week. And then Josh Matthews is with Orton, who says he doesn't like Triple H, but at least he takes him seriously, as opposed to Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase, who he doesn't take seriously. So way to kill your opponents for Mania before we even get there. Doesn't take the people who beat him last week seriously. Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, and by the way, you tutored these guys for like 18 months. What does that say about your <laughs> teaching skills if you don't take them seriously? He's a shit teacher. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. We then go to our rewind for the night, which is last week's Triple H and Sheamus stuff. And it's just been recap after recap on this episode or so far. This was one thing I don't miss about this time period, the endless replays of earlier in the night and last week. It's like, if we've been watching it. I don't need to see it again and again and again. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the WWE rewind, rewind with Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, speaking of like continually bringing stuff up, so they were plugging the Vince and Brett contract signing, and Jerry Lawler talks about how Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to be moderated by Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> They're on the ball. About look at Marble Mouth like me. So there you go. We then go to our next WrestleMania rewind. I didn't write down which WrestleMania this was from. Triple H and Randy Orton. Is it 24? It's 25. 25. Previous year. There we go. I was close. Did you catch during Triple H's entrance or during the entrances for the match, which was quite long, by the way, the the pair of them, Cole and Lawler said Cerebral Assassin a total of four times during the entrance. I mean, it's not as if Triple H is lacking in monikers here. No. You know? it's just, oh, it just does my head in. Talk normally, please. <laughs> Mix it up a bit. I oh, know. Oh, they kill you. 
Oh, I noticed, yeah, during the... I said the, the long entrances, sorry. This is my note here. It's like we, by the time they actually touched each other on the network, I was halfway through the match, Marcus. I knew it wasn't going to be a long match compared to the entrances, but it was what it was. They get started with a bit of a brawl. Triple H hits a clothesline, a suplex, and a knee drop, which, again, misses by a lot. So he was obviously watching Kelly Kelly and Marisa earlier. Oh, no, uh, Michelle McCool it was, I think, that threw the knee. Orton hits his DDT on the floor after Triple H has been sent into the ring steps, and we get a first commercial break of this matchup. We come back and they're in a chin lock to hold over for the crowd before Orton hits a backbreaker and Triple H fires back with a clothesline, and we get the sequence of the boo yeah punches. We get a high knee by Triple H, and we get Orton's power slam for a two count, Triple H's spine buster for a two count, and a double clothesline. Triple H hits a pedigree. Peg- pedigree and then legacy come out and jump him before sending him out so they can beat on orton triple h makes a save but then eats a broke kick from sheamus who was snuck in the ring legacy take out orton on the floor while sheamus hits crossroads on triple h and stands over him so what did you make of this one i mean fine it was better than the wrestlemania effort the previous year i'll say that um really Early goings all Triple H. Yeah. Until Orton did that draping DDT and then went to commercial. It's really peculiar. Um, but the other thing I found peculiar was Rhodes and DBRC would attack Triple H to finish the match. So Orton's won. Yeah, which was a bit strange. It's like if you're thinking, in, like in terms of kayfabe, like people would talk about like the prize pot or whatever. So they earn on maybe like a grand or two more for being the winner of the match or something. They don't, we don't have Gorilla Monsoon to talk about that enough anymore. No. But, um, yeah, like you're saying about how the, the entrances took up half the time on the, on the mark as this was breezy enough and just fine, hmm. really. I don't need these guys to go 25 minutes again personally, but that's just my opinion. Oh, no. We then get a Hall of Fame announcement for Gorgeous George and a really good recap video for him, actually. I thought that um, made him look like an absolute superstar before we get a rundown of the WrestleMania card. Did you catch um, the very interview with his wife? And he's like, oh, I told him he wouldn't draw as a clean wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> I have fucking faith in, in, in your partner. <laughs> that was that. That is some really good viewing though if you see some of that old television stuff from gorgeous george like you can see how back in that time period he would rile people up good and proper from there we go to our next matchup which is batista taking on kofi kingston and michael cole gets to me again here where he says batina must try and harness the controlled frenzy of kofi kingston what does that mean how is batista going to harness his controlled frenzy doesn't that mean like to you know to make it work for him like how is batista gonna keep his frenzy oh just stop it's the one thing I forgot about Kofi. Maybe this is part of his controlled frenzy, but he has the crazy like Caparia fighting stance. Yeah, yeah, that I saw that, and I've forgotten all about that until I saw it. I think in no Mer- in the No Mercy games, it'd be called like the drunk old man fighting stance or something like. <laughs> I was that. about to say like I've only ever really seen that on like a SmackDown game or something as something no one ever gave a wrestler. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, Batista starts off with some shoulders in the corner and a huge Irish whip to the buckles before beating down on Kofi. Kofi comes back with a couple of kicks and some chops, a drop kick and a flying clothesline, hits sort of a Pele-type kick in the corner uh, before being, which busts open Batista, so it looked to be a hard way cut there as well, so it must have caught him with the, the toes in the forehead or something. 
Kofi springboards off the ropes, but is hit by a vicious clothesline, a spine buster, and a Batista bomb for a three count, which looked really vicious as well. So some high impact offense. Kofi's one of those guys that can make a big guy look really good. Referee tries to give Batista the towel to clean his cut, and Batista's having none of that, lets the blood flow, which was a cool visual, I thought, as well, really added to the effect. Yeah. Um... Oh, yeah, King actually called Batista Dave when the replay was playing. Yeah, which you don't get very often, do you? And once they've cut your name, you normally lose it. Yeah, it's, it's so strange. But um, as this match, again, why is Kofi being sacrificed here? Yeah, they were, um, this was in that era where they were not getting any of the new guys over. Like I, also, I like to point to this period of time often and say how many of these guys are actually still with the company. Well, I mean, Kofi's the ones that have the longest longevity, really. But, I mean, at this point, so when I was watching at the time, I was thinking, okay, they're not really doing much with Kofi here. Where is he going to get placed? And I thought he might have been in, like, a unholy alliance with Orton to go after Legacy. Then when the triple threat match got announced, I was like, oh, so what the heck happens with Kofi? Off to the side. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see next week. We'll find out, I believe. Good. Um, from there, we go to a WrestleMania 14 rewind, which is Kane and Pete Rose. And I do not remember Kane being that jacked. He was huge during that. Like, he was a monster. Um, Pete Rose next week is going to be the um, guest host. And did you catch this for sort of lame excuse of the night? Pete Rose has already announced a three versus two handicap match. Legacy and Sheamus versus Triple H and Randy Orton. No fucking way has Pete Rose been watching the show and made that match. <laughs> I made the exact same note, yes. Yeah, we're supposed to believe he was watching you like, oh, these people need to fight now. You know, He's got, he got on the phone and said, I know I'm not there till next week, but I'm announcing this. Let everybody know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what a load of bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we go from there to the, the big segment that we've all been waiting for for the night, Bret Hart coming out um, with his leg in a cast and crutches from the big car accident that we that we saw on one of the earlier episodes. Um, Vince comes out to some good heel heat. He's getting a lot of booze here. He mocks the Bret Hart pose on his way through the curtain, which is really funny, and then mocks his limp as well, which gets a good laugh out of me. Um, yeah, well, poor old Brett, he, he got into that ring with zero grace whatsoever <laughs> with his broken leg. Yeah, he um, like put his um, crutches and stuff under and then sort of scooted under the bottom rope, like <laughs> like getting in the ring for the first time. It was pretty funny, actually. Austin then comes out to another good pop. He's very over tonight. He tells Vince to sit down when Vince is trying to be the big shot. Talks about the Hall of Fame, says that Vince McMahon has decided Stu Hart's not going in the Hall of Fame because he doesn't want him to. And then Steve says that he's officially announcing Stu Hart is going in and asks Vince if he's got a problem with it, to which he says he doesn't disagree. (laughs) He can go in. Um, He says that the whole Hart family will have to go and see him and that they're all derelict. Vince says that um, don't sign this contract to Brett and prove that you're a coward or sign it and take a beating. Bret Hart wants no holes barred, to which Vince McMahon says, hell yeah. He tells us again that Brett screwed Brett, and Brett signs the contract. Yeah, he called the Hart family dysfunctional derelicts, which is... <laughs> he is really playing it up here. It's awesome. Um, from there, 
Vince signs a contract as well. Austin says he's looking forward to Vince McMahon taking an ass whooping as he goes up the ramp and stops and says to Vince, I forgot to tell you something. Turn around. And Brett has his cast off and on the table smiling. So the broken leg was all a ruse. He says he's 100%. And thankfully, Cena knew someone in the stump business, you know, from all his time in Hollywood. (laughs) And then um, Brett Hart says to Vince that if he tries to back out of the match, he'll sue him. Nails Vince McMahon with the cast to a really good pop. Yeah, solid enough segment. Everyone um, got the reactions they were desiring. And yeah, the crowd were way more into it than um, you'd perhaps expect. Yeah, looking back in hindsight with what they deliver. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know it's going to be a non-match and like the no holds barred is the thing to excuse that. But um, I liked as well the moment they signed the contract, Austin was like, oh, it's official now. It's Hitman versus McMahon. (laughs) That's got a nice ring to it. (laughs) That was a good line, actually. Did you you notice uh, you talk about Grace of Bret Hart that I know it had to be done this way for the angle, but how weird did he look with with one foot bare? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was so strange. Just looked awkward. Um, At the very least, he got to say he broke my leg again. I think you should splice in... Bret Hart say broken leg or broke my leg or... It wouldn't matter if both my legs were broken. That looked like I broke my leg. But that, that was a that was a good ending to Raw. I thought overall this episode I managed to just sit and watch. Like I didn't have to walk away and come back. I found it a real breeze to get through. I obviously much better than last week's show. Yeah, absolutely. I practically got through this in one sitting, um, other than the main event segment at the end. I had to take a break and yeah, just nice and breezy. Um, in-ring content, nothing to you know go out of your way to see, but it was very inoffensive and pleasant, and most of the angles got built fairly well. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely tell this was a, a step up on the last show, and they've upped their game a little bit. Whether it's in response to Impact or the fact that they're getting closer to Mania is anyone's guess, but it made a welcome change. Yeah, for sure. Like For, for the opening match, I felt... Seen and show together was better than anything we got on last week's show. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. The main event segment, same thing, better than anything on last week's show. So good stuff all around. Mm. Mm. So that'll do it for Raw. Um, should we head over and see what Impact's got to offer second week up against Raw in, in this time slot? Ooh, let's get stuck into this, yes. All right.
So, Impact begins with a recap video of Sting turning heel, uh, shows Brooke Hogan crying, and RVD's completely shit-wasted debut. <laughs> and, of course, the no-selling of approximately 412 bat shots by Sting. It just kept getting back up and then just rendered the whole thing useless. Recap the tag team main event, which was also the tag team opening contest, the Jeff Jarrett situation, and the caption on the ending of the video sequence here, Hogan's Heroes, himself, Abyss, RVD, and... Abyss, RVD? Oh, Jeff Hardy, sorry. Jeff Hardy. Yes, they finish this on Jeff's return, and they didn't even have the good grace to show the swanton bomb that got cut off from last week. We're never going to get to see it, are we? No. <laughs> And then we get the Hogan's heroes arriving in a Hummer with Abyss driving in his mask. <laughs> oh, Abyss is driving! Yeah. Oh my god, I totally that. Imagine if he got pulled over. I wonder if he's got the mask on in his license photo. <laughs> uh, oh, <yeah. laughs> Just the absurdity of it all, it makes me laugh. <laughs> I think even the commenter, it might have even been Taz made a, a shot saying I wouldn't be getting in there with a bis driving. <laughs> so fair play to him. We, we get Pyro to open the show and then a welcome from Mike Tanay and Taz. AJ Styles and Ric Flair come out in matching suits. AJ cuts a promo on Abyss. AJ says every time they get in the ring, it's a classic, but every time they get in the ring, he wins. He says he doesn't believe in the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus or magical rings, referring to Abyss wearing Hulk Hogan's Hall of Fame ring, which I still find really strange being a focal point in TNA. The other thing he doesn't believe in is the earthy round. Oh, does he not? <laughs> it's a thing on talking smack. And um, Dan Brown's like, you know, AJ doesn't believe the earth. AJ believes the earth's flat. It's like, no, 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 no. There's, you know. I'm not saying it's flat. It's just, you know, there's some stuff out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'll have to look that up. Uh-huh. Slow brain, according to AJ. Mm. I have a cold. I'm kind of dumb. Right hey, AJ, do you want to talk about how you think the earth is flat? Do you want to talk about how your feet are flat? They are flat. <laughs> but, like, he legitimately hey, thinks the earth is I flat. I do not think the world is flat. I'm just saying there's some stuff about it. He's, a flat, he's a flat earther. I'm not so a he flat wants earther. to say that I think slowly. Okay. The Earth is a sphere. Okay. Axis. What? Runs on an axis. Okay. Good. I'm not a flat earther. I'm just saying. There's some things about it that make sense. I don't think you can handle it. This is a surprisingly popular thing amongst American personalities. I think Shaquille O'Neal believes the same way as well. Very interesting. It's it's all an illusion or whatever. Um, AJ had a massive kipper tie. Oh, I didn't notice. I didn't take a note of it. Oh, it's bloody huge. I thought I was going to consume him. Just... I think I was too distracted by what appeared to be a vagina on Ric Flair's forehead. Oh, dear God. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, Flair's blade job's still not healed then? And then we get what we get. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty bad. And then he whacks it and opens it up, and he has a face full of blood immediately for his promo, which is just... Oh, man, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, he then says, this is, this, this is real! I'm like, no, it's not, it's a blade. <laughs> but the second time of asking, punching it, that's real. <laughs> yeah. It cuts a promo on all the baby faces involved in the situation, finishing with Jeff Hardy, who comes out, and he's looking like Beetlejuice here at the moment, Jeff Hardy, so that's an interesting look for him. 
Yeah, he, he had his face paint on when he got out of the car as well. But um, just going back to the verbiage of, of Flair's promo here, so he's slagging off Jeff Hardy in particular. He's like, like Jeff Hardy, I hate him. He's, he needs nothing. Like, but you said you hate him. <laughs> he means something. If he means nothing to you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't make a note of the face paint when they got out of the car. That just makes that whole thing even stranger. I mean, it, <laughs> and especially if you consider RVD's track record of driving partners. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, there could be trouble there. AJ says, yeah, you're right. Um, he says he's nobody. Um, Ric Flair flicks blood at Jeff Hardy, which was disgusting. That really made my skin crawl. Uh, my dick move of the night right there. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. That was really foul. <sighs> Just fucking flare in his bloody face. Like, he was like, um, he ended his promo. He was like, if you want to play ball, expect to get this every day of your life. And he points to his face like, get you bloody <laughs> and making a fool of yourself every week. <laughs> oh, he's lost the plot here, Flair. He's totally making a mockery of himself. AJ offers him a match tonight, um, which is a complete waste of WCW levels, going straight to AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy on free TV. So Bischoff and Hogan definitely up to their old tricks here, giving away big money matches. Uh, we get a big Hardy chant by the crowd, and Jeff Hardy says it'll be a breeze. So he's not really selling any fear of these guys at all. Ric Flair says... Um, Go and put your paint on and sniff your paint and get high. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, it was just weird. And then Jeff Hardy says that um, I'm going to be flying high with my creatures of the night, which is a bit of a ripoff of The Undertaker's old thing. But this was just a weird, weird segment on so many levels. Think I'm out here today, brother. Woo! I'm going to be flying, Rick. I'm going to be flying high on the backs of my creatures of the night. And yeah, Jeff Hardy ends his promo with one of the ugliest screens you'll see in all of wrestling. Yeah, it was just bizarre. Just, oh my God. Yeah. Um, the other thing, so you, like, I agree with you about them giving away a pretty big match of interest in AJ and... Jeff Hardy, um, but my other note was Pope is the number one contender, and he's pretty much an afterthought. Isn't yeah, he? why was he not out there? It does it doesn't make much sense at all. Um, and Abyss is obviously getting the title shot, so you know he's really he should be out there fighting tooth and nail to get himself in the title picture. Yeah, exactly. They've totally gone. Oh well, his shot's not until lockdown, so we don't need to worry about him yet. But. That could easily be fixed with a simple he's offered to put back his title shot until his ankle heals, you know, in a month's time or something. Like, they could nail that with one line on commentary as well. Well, but I think the, the tournament he won was specifically to get the shot at lockdown. Oh, was it? Because, you know, it's a, yeah, so, the, you know, it's to pump up that lockdown is this big major show for TNT. Uh, okay, like Mania and the Rumble type deal then. Yeah, yeah. Fair, but fair enough. still, you, you could have him... Teasing something or, you know, yeah. having more involved than this. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. We then go backstage where Bischoff tells Foley that he's going to take him to the ring and shave his head and his beard so that he can look like a corporate executive. Really, really 
interesting thing going on here with Foley and Bischoff. They've got a bit of a... I, I like the dynamic between the two of them because with the real backstory and the fact that they're both obviously pros and working together now, it just adds a bit of a real vibe to it for me. Um, it's, it's more flip-flopping from Bischoff to me. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, but I don't know. I think these two... It's a bit like when Foley and Flair finally got back together after all the slagging off in the books. I don't know. It just has that feel to it that I like. We, we then go to a video package um, of, oh, sorry, video um, replay of earlier in the day, Jimmy Hart nailing Jesse Neal with a megaphone, and then the Nasty Boys coming in and powerbombing him through a table in what looked like a sort of backstage catering area. But I had to look up Jesse Neal to see who he actually was, <laughs> and this made me chuckle because I, I just Googled Jesse Neal because I've never heard of him before this, and the first article that came up was Jesse Neal says he now makes more money at Walmart than he did in TNA. <laughs> Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, we'll we'll get to making money in TNA later on. There's some there's an act that turns up here who had certain experiences relating to that. Brilliant. Um, so then the Nasties and Jimmy Hart come out for what is meant to be a three-on-two handicap match up against Team 3D. But no, Team 3D announced that they are bringing out Brother Runt, who's making his return. So it's going to be three-on-three three after all, and probably tipping the odds in their favour since Jimmy Hart's an old man and not a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, well, Neil um, was supposed to be the partner for Team 3D in this match, which is why they took him out in the backstage skit. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a he's a t- I believe he's a Team 3D Academy graduate, actually. Oh, okay. Which is what the connection is. Yeah. Fair enough, then. Again, I'd never heard of him, so I'm going to take your word on all that. <laughs> um, so the match starts off with Devon hitting his shoulder on Sags and trying to tag Spike. But then we get a pit stalk on Spike pretty early, which is disgusting as always. A slam, and they take turns on him before Jimmy Hart comes in and lays in some kicks and then tries to hit him with his belt, and then both sides tag out. Bully Ray comes in and takes over on everyone. Jimmy Hart's got his sunglasses on through the match, which is interesting. Um, Spike comes off the top rope to the floor with an axe handle before we get a helmet shot on Bully Ray and Jimmy Hart pinning him for the one, two, three. So the Nasty Boys and Jimmy Hart going over Team 3D here. <laughs> um, immediately after the finish, Taz notes here, there were lots of moving parts in this match. Lies! Lies, I tell you! A lot of slow-moving parts, maybe. This was not good at all. The Nasty Boys are well past expiration. Absolutely. Did you catch after the Pity City spot in the corner, Taz was um, wondering about the hygiene. He's like, do you think he washes the armpit? And Tanae says, only by accident. (laughs) And then Taz starts talking about Above under cheese or something? Oh, yeah. I did catch that. It was disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) The Nasty Boys have got no business being in the ring. They do go and get a table, but Jesse Neal comes out and makes a save, but he eats, um, but then Sag, sorry, eats a 3D through the table to get the heat back for the Dudleys. Yeah, and it was um, the one where both Neal and Devon were flapjacking him into Bubba. Oh, he's a big boy. Mm. So this is like um, what uh, Bully and the Briscoes are teaming up in ROH as a a six-man team now. And that's the style of 3D that they use. Oh, very cool. I think they call it the 3B as well. Oh, interesting. Because it's two Briscoes (laughs) and Bully Ray. 
Christmas freebies. Very nice. I've actually, I've not seen Ring of Honor in years, so I'll have to check a show out and review it against something at some point in the future, I think. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll have gone, um... Oh, there's one of the shows that was, uh... Not quite head to head, but it was like the same week as Bound for Glory last year, I think it was. Oh, that might be an idea then. All right, I'm going to get in on that. I have to see if I can track them down. Yeah, brilliant. Um, we then go backstage, and Christy Hemi is with Angelina Love, who issues an open challenge to any of the beautiful people. Um, obviously, she used to be in the group and was their mentor before they turfed her out. So that's the storyline coming in here. And then we go to Jeremy Borash with Scott Hall and Six Puck. Did you catch Scott Hall's TNA sweatshirt with Wolfpack written on it in Sharpie? <laughs> I did. It made me giggle. <laughs> and why does he put the two little um, dots above the O in Wolfpack? Like, that's um, German language or something, isn't it? Like, it's supposed to change the <laughs> letter. I don't think it does change the O in Wolfpack. Wolfpack. <laughs> Did you catch them immediately making TNA sound like shit when Six Pack says we've been kicked out of better places than this? <laughs> I know, cheers, <laughs> And then Nash walks in with a handful of cash, 25 grand, we're told, and offers it to Scott Hall if he can last five minutes, which is weird because they've always been on a reasonably similar level. So you'd expect the match between them to go more than five minutes normally. Yeah. Nash, of course, shits all over Hall, which was weird when he says you'll need it because healthcare is expensive these days. Expensive? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> this is just peculiar. <laughs> Hall, Hall had the line again. It's like, I'll see you out there. I'll be the one who looks like a Yep, I thought of you immediately when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh, that's good stuff. And then we go to Desmond Wolf and Ken Anderson taking on Kurt Angle and the Pope. The Pope is still limping on his way out to sell the ankle injury we've been looking at the last few shows. Yeah, there was a sign in the crowd. It was Pope be pimping. It was written on like a chalice. Yeah. So then I quit. Pope is limping. <laughs> Ba-dum, <bum-tsh. laughs> Did you catch as well as this match was getting started the um like the rolling graphics along the bottom of the screen advertising TNA house shows? Oh yeah, yeah. Um we got an invitation midway through the previous match to follow Dixie Carter on Twitter as well. Oh yeah, I know. I don't believe I don't know why I didn't write that down, but that made me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, trying to get over. Not gonna work, I would imagine. When we get started, Angle comes out with a hip toss before Anderson clotheslines him from the apron and tags himself in. Um, doesn't last long, though, before getting Wolf back in. who Locks on a million-dollar dream to Kurt Angle, but Kurt Angle fires back with a belly-to-belly suplex and tags in the Pope, who comes in with a clothesline and a backdrop, nails Anderson on the apron, an STO on um, Desmond Wolf before Angle hits an angle slam on Anderson, and... I've got Wolf here attempts a figure four, but Pope rolls him up with a small package for the one, two, three in a pretty quick match. That's serviceable. Yeah, decent. The guys involved probably could have gone for longer and better, but it, it does its job here. Um, after the match, Desmond Wolf attacks Pope and then pounds him up the ramp. And in the ring, uh, Anderson hits a mic check on Kurt, gets his army medal again and digs it into Kurt's head and then does his usual shtick on the mic right in Kurt's face. So personal space is not just a WWE problem. <laughs> Yeah. And um, pounds on Angle's face with the microphone to end the segment. Yeah, good storyline advancement. Both the heels getting a bit of, you know, getting a bit over on the faces. So no problem with this for me. 
Yeah, so. We've then got Hulk Hogan at his desk and he tells Jeff Hardy that Abyss will be his enforcer for tonight's main event. And then Eric Bischoff comes in as they go out. Bischoff says that he didn't know they were coming in and it's sort of an uneasy agreement with Bischoff saying, yeah, yeah, I suppose it's the right move after being initially a bit pissed off that Hogan didn't consult him on any of this. So not sure where this is heading, but they're definitely selling some tension between the two of them. Well, yeah, Hulk was very apologetic and he's he, like he noted how... I know you've had your hands full, brother. This this haircut with Foley is it's a big deal, man. <laughs> like that's you know taken up every hour of his day that he couldn't say. What do you think about RVD coming in? <laughs> yeah, uh, wrestling—the only job in the world where you do an hour and a half's work and that's your whole week. Yeah. Oh, but so Hogan's all apologetic, and then he has a line: "We don't have to apologize." That's like an ex-wife or something. <laughs> yeah. You what? Fresh wounds. Oh, well. <laughs> Hulk Hogan then comes out to the arena to a really good... Uh, no, sorry, I've skipped way ahead there. We go to our next match, which is the Open Challenge, Angelina Love. And then the beautiful people come out on the ramp and they say that she's going to face honorary member for the night, Daphne, who sneaks in behind her in the ring and attacks from behind. Wow, Taz calls her zombie hot. Strange line, but yeah, okay. <laughs> um, she locks in a camel clutch and then gets it out of it and goes and gets a toolbox out from under the ring, goes through the multiple tools in there before settling on a hammer, but the referee's having none of that and takes it from her. Angelina Love fights back and the beautiful people grab her legs and pull her into the ring post. And then Taz says, can that actually hurt a woman? Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure being rammed crutch first into a <laughs> ring post can hurt anybody. <laughs> Try and tell a woman during childbirth they don't feel anything in their crotch. <laughs> Fucking, oh my God, idiot. I would, but I've been present for two and we've agreed never to speak of it again. <laughs> <laughs> we get a four-on-one attack on Angelina Love. Daphne swings her head into the ramp, which looked really sick. Like That looked nasty. Before Tara comes in and makes a save, takes out the beautiful people, and Daphne stares her down from the ramp. That um that spot on the on the ramp though was just it didn't look right at all to me. Yeah, pretty worrying. So yeah, we're getting Daphne and Tara facing off of the title at Destination X. Cool advancement here then, all good, yeah. Yeah, um you spot Lacey Von Eric had a nightstick like the boss man? No, I didn't see that. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get why, but... <laughs> I, um, I've got a soft spot from her after a little backstage quip when they won the tag titles. I like Lacey Von Eric now. <laughs> the little puppy of the group. Now we get Hulk Hogan coming out to a good pop. Um, he says that he feels like he's been run over by a train, um, but that's not something new, Jack. Um, Sting, he calls Sting a low-life dog and tells him to come out and tell us why. We then get a spotlight on Sting, who's up in the rafters. Um, we get a Hogan chant as Sting comes slowly down the ra- rafters and walks out to face Hulk Hogan. But on his way down, RVD jumps him from behind in a not very babyface maneuver. Um, they have a bit of a walk and brawl. RVD tosses Hogan a bat as he throws Sting in, so immediately Hogan becomes the big star of the segment. Um, but Eric Bischoff comes out, gets in between Hulk and Sting, and tells Hogan this is not what he wants to do, talking him down. Security takes Sting out as Bischoff tells him he's not a wrestler anymore. Eric Bischoff says, 
try, uh, tries to tell him that he promised Brooke he wouldn't do it, who is caught on camera chanting Hogan with the crowd who want him to fight before the camera quickly cuts away and cuts back and shows her looking all concerned that her dad is going to fight in a complete fuck-up of a moment. <laughs> oh, my God. What an idiot. So, yeah, that segment was pretty much killed dead on arrival. Um, this... I didn't like this at all because a few things. First of all, RVD relegated himself to Hulk Hogan helper by passing his revenge on to Hulk and giving him the bat. RVD was the one that got the shit kicked out of him with that bat last week, and he's happy to give it to someone else. And then Brooke Hogan made a mockery of the whole thing and rendered it useless. Yeah, again, this is more to serve the tension between Bischoff and Hogan. Yeah, which kind of makes Sting and Van Dam and part-time, you know, bit part players in this, which is, you know, weird. We then go backstage and Hernandez offers Jeff Jarrett revenge on beer money for the two-on-one last week and says they'll have a tag match. But Bischoff stops by and tells them they don't make matches around here. He does. And he's booking Hernandez against beer money in a two-on-one. Jeff Jarrett's got to be the special guest referee. And he says not to take it out on him. And Bischoff um, threatens his job if he does try and get involved. So... Back, as you said before, more of this heel face, heel face, trying to figure out what what card he's playing here. Well, you say he stopped by. He snuck up from behind on them. <laughs> Eavesdropping. In camera shot for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he's like creeping around like, like he's in a stealth game or something. And then he's like, whoa, hold on a minute. <laughs> like he caught them out as if we weren't all watching it. <laughs> Um, we then go to our next contest, which is a $25,000 challenge. Nash up against Hall. If Hall lasts five minutes, he gets a 25K. Nash has his full-length gray hair, and Hall is dressed like a drunk granddad. So this is a real fall from grace for the outsiders and what used to be a big money match. Well, I was going to say, Hall's not changed his outfit since the backstage segment. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. He starts throwing the toothpick at Nash, and Nash attacks him. Hall fights back with some punches and paintbrushes Nash, who comes back with a clothesline and his usual corner offense, the knees and the elbows. Taz says, vintage Kevin Nash, and I'm going to try and get that line in every Monday night, <laughs> which cracked me up. <laughs> yep. Six comes out and hits a chop block on Nash. They then handcuff him to the ropes. Eric Young comes out for the save, but gets double teamed by Hall and Six, including eating an X-Factor from Six Pack. And then Hall and Pack take off with the 25,000. So, not really much to this. Yeah, nothing much. Um, Taz stole another of Michael Cole's lines at the end there. Like, it's the numbers game! <laughs> yeah, he's um, rubbing off on him well and truly. It was what it was, that Absolutely. We then go backstage to Jeremy Borash with Beer Money, who says they wanted a chance to show Bischoff and Hogan their worth, um, but haven't gotten that and keep getting put in these um, two-on-one handicap matches. They cut a really good promo here, actually. I was I was pretty impressed with this. What did you think? It's fine, really, yeah. Um, I've no complaints about this. Um, they've been left on the sidelines. They've been frustrated, and yeah, here they are. Yeah, I like it. Greatest tag team in the world today? Wipe that stupid look off your face. Because the answer just isn't no. The answer is hell no. <laughs> you see, Eric Bischoff gave us an opportunity. The opportunity to whip somebody's ass. The only problem is the opportunity was the founder of TNA, Jeff Jarrett. And this week, 
he gives us another opportunity <laughs> to dish it out. Well, we're going to serve it up, and this week's plate goes to you, Hernandez. They say nice guys finish last. We're sick and tired of being the nice guys. We're sick and tired of catering to these stupid fans. From now on, it's all about beer money, making cash, and getting trashed. Jared Hernandez, sorry about your damn luck. Um, so then we obviously go to the Beer Money up against Hernandez match with Jeff Jarrett as the referee. And it starts, obviously, with Beer Money beating down Hernandez. Matt Morgan walks out, stops on the ramp. Um, you know, so he's acting like he's going to come out and help, but decides not to, and instead goes to the commentary booth. Um, the beatdown continues. Matt Morgan gets on commentary and calls himself the DNA of TNA and the MVP of Spike TV, which was a pretty cool line. <laughs> oh, that was really cool as well. He says as well that he's like, so Hernandez and Morgan are still the tag champs at this point in time, even despite that dissension against all odds. And Morgan's like, great, he's like, well, you know, this is the consequence when you butt your nose into other people's business. Yep, he says that he's pissed off that he's, he's not asked him and he's gone to help out on his own. In the ring, Hernandez fights back, uh, hitting an awesome double suplex on both of Beer Money at the same time. That was just brilliant. We then get, sorry, Beer Money hit their finisher, which was the DWI, Drinking While Investing. <laughs> what a stupid name for a finisher. And <laughs> pick up the one, two, three. <laughs> they start beating down on Hernandez after the match. They toss Jeff Jarrett aside. He takes off his referee shirt, puts some punches under both of them, and then Hernandez hits a slingshot double clothesline on both of Beer Money to end the segment. So much the same as last week, really. Rinse and repeat. I thought it was a very solid wrestling in between. Um, like, you, um, I'm guessing like when LAX was still around, they'd have had some time to work together because they had some pretty decent chemistry for what it was. And if you'd have given Hernandez a proper part, this has been a, a pretty handy Yeah, well, I'm hoping that we might progress this into a tag match at some stage because that's something I'd be interested in watching. I think they're getting the title shot at Destination X. Oh, good, good. This should be good then. We then get the Bischoff and Foley segment. Bischoff comes out to shave Mick Foley's head. The crowd chant for Foley. um, And then Bischoff goes to shave Foley's head, sat in the chair. And as I expected, Foley's having none of it and pulls out Mr. Socko and puts Bischoff into the chair. And in a move I did not see coming, Foley picks up the... the, um, the shaver, the clippers, sorry, and shaves Bischoff's head bald. I could not believe it. Um, this really, I did not see this one coming, and I was like, holy shit, this is great, and then wakes him up, shows him the mirror. Bischoff goes mental and tells Foley that he's done. So awesome segment for TV, this. I loved it. What did you think? It's a great sell job by Bischoff. Did you spot how he was picking his own hair off the ground and trying to put it back on his <laughs> no, head? I didn't see that. That's brilliant. <laughs> Oh, genius, yeah. That's mint. No, I love this. It's a complete swerve. I did not see Bischoff getting shaved bald. I have no idea where this is going. Um, uh, Like, inter-authority figure rivalries are very kind of meh for me, but this, again, has got a good reaction. and It's nice to see Bischoff... Uh, someone get one over on Yeah, Bischoff. definitely. As a standalone segment, this was great. Where it goes, we'll we'll have to wait and see. 
Yeah. We then get Christy Hemi with Shannon Moore, who cuts an awful promo. He um, says that he worships at the Temple of Dilligat. And do you know what that means? She says, no. He says, Google it, woman. So I did Google it. And Dilligat means, do I look like I give a fuck? So, yeah, good stuff, Shannon Moore. Like, what a stupid fucking promo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, he's here to represent the tattooed, the brood, and the screwed. Oh, like, fuck off. <laughs> he then finishes his promo on the line, Doug Williams, welcome to Glam Rock. Shannon Moore wasn't one of the premier cruiserweights in WWE when cruiserweight division wasn't anything special. How's he going to come in and be a featured name amongst the guys they've got here in the X division? Well, you know, it's it's like I thought it was like this is degenerating back to what it was a couple of months ago when Val was here and things like that. It's just people holding you from his Australia tour. Like, oh you you can come in and get a paycheck more. Yeah, it's crap. Um, from there, we get a segment in the ring where the machine guns come in, the Motor City machine guns come in the ring, and they talk about Ultimate X, which is set up, so it's the um, the big X above the ring, and they talk about how that match is going to take place at Destination X, and the winner gets a ta- becomes the number one contenders to the tag titles. This brings out Generation Me, who I had no idea until I saw them that that's actually the Young Bucks. Um, they say that they beat the machine guns on their debut. Machine guns call it beginner's luck, and they have a bit of a pull apart before out comes Brian Kendrick, followed by Amazing Red, followed by Christopher Daniels, and they're all sort of brawling around the ring here. Um, I've got here that are we expecting a three-way, but um, we're then told that there's going to be a ladder match for an X Division title shot as well um, before out comes... Frankie Kazarian with a ladder. Um, the Bucks fly off the truss onto the machine guns. Red flips off the ladder to Christopher Daniels, Kendrick, and the guns on the floor to end the segment. So I think there's two matches sort of in play here with all X Division guys, and both matches sound like they're going to be awesome. But this was a a weird dynamic for the order of events of people coming out. I just couldn't keep up with it. I had to sort of stop and rewind and figure out who was going to be fighting who in the upcoming feud. But good action all the way through. Yeah, a lot going on. It did need some careful attention to the commentary, um, which was tough when there's all these guys fighting. Um, the, the machine guns, some of their lines that spark this brawl here, they're like, we are the Xbox and you're Atari. Yeah. <laughs> and then they finished it with, why don't we talk about the night we spent with your girlfriends? <laughs> that degenerated quickly. Yeah. You know how I mentioned about people being skinned in yeah. TNA? So the books here, uh, I believe it was the episode after January the 4th that they made their debut and they beat the guns. So I watched it after we watched it. And um, quite recently, the books sent out a tweet. It's like, seven years ago, I was so I was um, so poor, I couldn't afford this, this, and this. Now life's pretty sweet. And someone tweeted back to me and was like, Weren't you in TNA seven years ago? Yeah, Yeah, they spent all the money bringing in Shannon Moore. Yeah, they got paid bugger all. Such a waste. We then go to Jeremy Borash with Abyss, and he says that AJ Styles and Ric Flair are jealous of his ring. Uh, Ric Flair's got two of those, so don't think he's jealous of them. (laughs) 
Well, he's only got one at this point. Ah, one still to come. Oh, yeah, because that's when they do the deal with sending Christian back, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, he cuts a really bad promo. This is way too much talking for the Monster Abyss, in my opinion, but um, it, do- it doesn't make me believe he's going to be a serious threat to AJ's title, personally. He also finishes the promo with, what you going to do when Abyss runs wild on you, which is just, oh, make it stop. Yeah, this is, as I was saying on previous episodes, this is more transitioning abyss from the monster to the lovable mankind monster yeah but it's just mankind when he became lovable was sort of quirky he wasn't rambly and boring mm. you know there's uh, I, I just think they're missing the point here and also you didn't have mankind like you know just for comparison i guess he wasn't sort of sucking up to bret hart or someone either at the time or you know whoever it might be he was still very much his own unique character yeah, for sure. Yeah. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we've got Abyss entering as the enforcer to Hulk Hogan's WCW theme song. <laughs> so. Yeah, so you know, I was saying this last week how Abyss's music hit and then it morphed into American yeah. Made. And then it, when it happened again, it's like the realization hit me oh my God, that's his actual <laughs> music. <laughs> Abyss is coming out to Hulk Hogan's WCW theme song. <laughs> Holy Right. How do WWE not own the rights to that with a WCW purchase? It's a Jimmy Hart song, I guess. Either might have bought it from them or something. Yeah, maybe, but that was just... What are they doing? Like they are, They're killing their big guy, but that's just me. It's time for AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy. Jeff starts off with a clothesline and a slam and a second rope leg drop. AJ sends Jeff Hardy over the top rope, um, but Abyss protects him from Ric Flair. AJ then pisses off the crowd by faking a dive, which was a really cool heel spot. Love that, yeah. He hits a big drop kick for a two count and then works over the leg of Jeff Hardy, who get behind uh, Jeff with the Let's Go Hardy chant. Um, Jeff reverses a suplex and hits a drop kick to the chest for a two count. AJ hits a brain buster for a two count and J- Jeff hits the whisper in the wind for a two count. Yeah, um... For that massive brain, before that massive brain buster by AJ, um, Flair was like trying to motivate AJ on. Um, like Jeff Hardy was the one on offense, and <laughs> Flair was like, "Come on, AJ, come on, he's tired. He's tired. <laughs> <laughs> he's in control. Of he's the tired, match. and he's still whooping your ass. You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, he's tired. <laughs> It'll run out soon. He'll need a breather." <laughs> AJ comes back with a Pele kick and then a phenomenal forearm onto Jeff Hardy and the referee catches them both. He gets a chair, but Abyss says no and stops him. AJ puts down the chair, then gets in the ring, misses a 450 splash, gets hit with a twist of fate and a swanton bomb and Abyss gets in the ring and counts the three. So let's all take turns pinning the world champion. Exactly. Again, see, this is what I mean about the, the Popes and Afterthought again. So, you know, his immediate... AJ's immediate challenger is Abyss. You assume coming off this that he's going to have some issues with Jeff instead of yep. Hope. But um, you mentioned the phenomenal forearm where he hit the referee as well. Oh, the poor ref practically got kneed in the face. It looks Yeah, like... yeah, it was a nasty bump, wasn't it? Yeah, oh my God, I wouldn't have liked to have taken that. Not at all. Um, after the match, Flair comes in with a chair who hits a bit, Abyss, but Abyss hulks up and then down the ramp sort of stalks Flair punches the chair 
out of Ric Flair's hand and then hits him with a choke slam through the ramp in a really brilliant spot, which gets a huge TNA chant. What a way to end the show. I loved that. Yeah, it was very good. Um, way for Flair to get some comeuppance there as well. Um, yeah, nice way to close the show. And after a pretty good match as well, I thought it was the best match across both Yeah, shows. absolutely. Oh, as we near... 11 o'clock here in Australia. <laughs> it gets late. <laughs> no, I, I thought this was brilliant. Um, really great ending. I didn't see that coming. That was There's a couple of, like, you know, I said before with the head shave as well here, though, like really sort of moments that I didn't see coming on a TV show. So I did enjoy it for that. They might be giving away too much, but it's making for entertaining TV. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I mean as good as the match was, it still felt like, well... <sighs> What if this was on the pay-per-view and had five extra minutes? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's that's the, the problem, whole, you know, sort of all over with this, you know, same as, as I said before with, with WCW, that's they're running through matches at this rate here as well. So a lot of the same problems. Mm-hmm. So what did you think about the show as on a whole? Did you enjoy Impact this week? Much more uneven than last week. Um, there's a middle portion there with the beautiful people, open challenge and then the Hogan segment and then the National Hall segment where it just took a dive um, and then of course we have the fucking Nasty Boys again. Yeah. basically between the opening segment and well okay there's a nice there's some nice tag team action and the handicap match was alright as well but yeah, so it's still an interesting watch. I'd I think it was that. more peaks and valleys than Raw. Raw was the more consistent show, but TNA probably hit the higher notes. I would say, yeah, the, the closing stretch of TNA definitely um, much more satisfying than Raw's. Well, I suppose we should probably go and register a verdict then rather than sort of give it all, all away in spoilers. So going through the, the normal mm. categories, who did you have winning for Crowd Heat here? Um, I'd have to go back to Raw on this one. Um, Impact fans weren't really at fault. They just weren't as crazy special as last week. And yeah, things just got much stronger reactions on Raw as compared to last Yeah, week. I think you're right there. Um, it was a very much an anomaly where the crowd was hotter for Impact in the first week, considering there's less than a thousand fans in there. But, you know, with the shows being a bit more even and Raw giving the crowd something to care about this week, it's a pretty straightforward victory for a Raw crowd that's, you know, 15 times the size. Um, Storylines, who did you think did the better job of advancing their storylines on these shows? It's it's a pretty close call because, like, this is a go-home show to um, for, for TNA, but I'm, I'm going to edge it to raw here just because like you were saying um impact was a little bit hectic at times and you had to pay attention to oh, okay so these are the particular people who are going to pair off and feud like with the x division segment yeah um i probably think it's a little bit closer i had it down as a tie here the x division one was the real weak point for tna but i think like the stuff on raw the Batista Cena angle and the Brett Vince angle were both very well pushed, but I don't think the Orton legacy one got that strong of a push and Triple H and Sheamus has been boring me to tears. So it didn't do a lot for me there. Whereas I think the whole, the Bischoff and Foley surprise did it for me. Um, I, I do think they're running through their matches too much, but I think they got through as much at least for, for this week for me. So I, I had it as a tie. Yeah, I was really close to having it a tie, but again, like I was saying about 
into authority figure rivalries. Like I, I've watched some of those segments, like with Hogan and with Bischoff, and like, well, okay, how's that going to affect the pay per view? Yeah, I can see that absolutely. I think I've got the benefit of not knowing any of this time period watching it, and I think that's helping me enjoy some of this stuff a bit more. (laughs) Uh, What about production value? Who did you have here? Raw again, just like you're saying, there's there's still some cutaways. Impact's much improved from last week on a production standpoint, but there's still little snippets that sneak yeah, in. Yeah, I agree. I think Raw, hands down, is just the slicker show. Um, characters, who do you think had better feature of their characters on the show? Um, I, I'm going to go with a tie here. Um, there's a... TNA got a great range of people in there, um, as opposed to Raw, where um, like the entire Money of the Bank field just wasn't there, and um, it felt like a, a much narrower band of characters. In yeah, there. I've got a tie as well. I mean, Raw, the no Money in the Bank, and not really much focus on any of the tag teams, but other than that, all the big-name players got on there, and TNA had pretty much all the big-name players on there as well, so you know, I think the tie is pretty fair there. What about match quality? I'm gonna have to go with a tie here again, because um, like Raw was very watchable, nothing excelled, whereas TA, TNA had the AJ and Jeff match, and again their tag team matches were pretty serviceable yeah. as well. I went TNA narrowly, but I can definitely see where you're coming from on that one. I thought the um the main event was enough to put it over the edge for me on beat anything that Raw had. And Raw was decent all the way through, but nothing stood up against that main event. So I went TNA narrowly there, um, which which yeah. leaves it with f- uh, five victories for Raw, three t- uh, four ties and one win for TNA. So it looks a little bit more one-sided than what it was. Um, I actually think the shows were neck and neck for quality overall, but Raw's probably just got the edge in experience and knowing what they're doing. So that's how it's ended. Like you're saying, it's just peaks and valleys with yeah. TNA. Yeah, and you get the feeling, had they, you know, had someone overseeing all of this with a level head, they probably could have made some good stuff out of what they had. But, you know, that's probably not going to be what happens, but we will find out as we go. <laughs> I will say, um, as great as that closing segment was for Impact, I'm dreading destination x now because i have a particular memory from where this is oh, going. Th- thankfully i have no memory so that's okay for me um, <laughs> you don't have the burden of what's going to be the best way to do this um just thinking ahead now because obviously wrestlemania is two weeks away so the next raw and impact will be the night after destination x are we better off to do it that way and then the pay-per-views or the pay-per-views and then raw and impact well, I was thinking the, the TV shows first and then the pay-per-views, but I'm going to watch Destination X first and then do the TV All shows. All right, I think I'll do that. So it might just be a couple of weeks before we're caught up on everything to, to re-record them. Yeah, so like, if we could get a, a pair of days consecutively where we can do them back Yeah, sounds good. That'd be fine, yeah. So. No, that'll be good. Um, I have to say overall, though, much more enjoyable week of wrestling. This one, I thoroughly enjoyed both shows and stopped regretting following this timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Raw up for game and Impact had more of the crazy stuff that I was expecting. And I think with the two X Division matches on the next pay per view, there should be enough good wrestling on it so that this at least puts some bright spots in through this now. Yeah. Good stuff. So um, that's the end of the show then. Have you got anything going on at the moment? Have you and Carl got anything big coming up? 
Um, we got several ideas for moving forward, but um, our latest episode is out now. It's um, a look at the UK Championship special that aired the other month, as well as the UK Championship match that happened at TakeOver Chicago, which is an absolute boss of the Yeah, I agreed with you guys entirely. That's my match of the year so far. I've not seen anything that compares to that. For sure, yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, we just tossed some ideas around. Um, you've kindly given us some questions for our Q&A upcoming. And I'd just like to appeal just for a few more from some other people to round it off and we can get up and running Yeah, that'll be that. good. Really, really Yeah, close. I think that'll be interesting. Um, so if you are out there listening, do send some questions in. Um, get this going because I want to hear the episodes <laughs> selfishly. Get it, help us out here a little bit. Um, no, that'll be good. I Yeah, and if you haven't listened to the UK wrestling episode definitely go and check it out because it was a highly enjoyable listen and i found myself nodding along with most of it as well so some really good stuff on there um we've got this will be coming out oh probably about a week after recording because i recorded two days ago with carl and i've not finished editing that yet so (laughs) um i'll get that out this weekend and then this one maybe midweek next week so that's all coming up and then richie and i've got to lock in two 80s shows to continue the 80s journey we're not sure what it's going to be yet but something around the first wrestlemania we're thinking so lots of stuff going on as always catch us on twitter and facebook and itunes or all the places you can download the show and Best thing they can do, leave a five-star review for you guys. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. Spread the word. Go and find us on SoundCloud and Stitcher and all the rest. Yes, and if you can leave both this show and then now whatever, a five-star review, you would be helping out greatly. I had a quick flick over my stats again this week, so it's interesting to see how many different countries we've had listens. So it'd be nice if we could get whoever's listening to us in Argentina or um, Vietnam to give us a five-star review and we appear to be very popular in Denver, Colorado so if you're listening in Denver you've listened a lot of times it's about time you left us a review <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much Yeah, absolutely yeah. don't stop listening and take that as a slight <laughs> if you've listened this far you must know that we've got a strange sense of humour uh, but no thanks again for listening everybody thanks for Duncan for coming on again and we'll continue on down this timeline yeah, It's my pleasure Liz catch you later Here's a man A boy who saw the world through new eyes and became a man. So you tell me, who's really tough?
I just say, fuck it and leave it alone. I'm on the road like Billy Jack, never looking back with the fat Mac 11 in the backpack. Will another man take my place and have my child screaming, Daddy, look it all in his face? Or do I turn around and make it up? Or do I let my pride take control and make it real tough? Rough, you gotta get tough from Daddy Boot Knock, baby. <laughs> 